Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Last week on Wednesday, I had a speaking event that I didn't know about because I put it on my calendar and it was a couple months ago. Forgot about it, then it popped up and I realized I had to miss an opportunity to mentor kids at church because I volunteer with the junior and senior boys at my church. And I missed it. And, you know, it was discouraging for me. I don't want to miss those times. They have a huge impact on me and other people. And I, when I was 24 years old, I met this kid named Robbie. I actually talked to him today. He's 38. And I met him through a mentoring program. So I spent time with him pretty consistently once a week for probably six years and then stayed in touch as he got older. A big impact on my life. But we talked today. He's a general contractor in town, and hopefully you're listening, Robbie, but I'm probably the only one that calls him Robbie. I think he goes by Robert, but I met him when he was 12, so it's kind of cool. But I have a very special guest today, and we're going to talk today about the power and the impact of mentoring. And this has had a big impact on my life and many of you listening, I'm sure. And so we're going to jump right in, but before that, I'm your, introduce myself as Adam Gregg. You know, I'm your host and I've been a coach, a speaker, licensed mental health professional for 25 years, half my life now. And my passion is helping people face their biggest fears, develop confidence and clarity to do so and to live their legacy. How do you want to be remembered 10 years after you're gone? Live that now. That does mean facing fears in your life. So I talk about stuff I struggle with myself. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a fellow traveler. And as you know, I want to share something uncomfortable that I've done recently because I have not found many things in your life to be more important than doing uncomfortable things to face your fears for your mental health and too many things that can be as damaging as quickly as playing it safe and falling back and not having an impact on the world and just living in that way. So what I did is yesterday, I saw my daughter who is a junior in high school, I saw her fifth grade teacher. And I saw him, I hung out with him. I actually pulled up some old pictures from five years ago when she was in fifth grade, had a great talk. It was cool, you know, it was awkward, but it was really fun because I don't really know him. I mean, he was her teacher. It wasn't like he was my friend, he was her teacher, but it was a really cool experience, good thing. And as you know, also, this is the podcast that you do not just listen to. So you get to be uncomfortable as well. And hopefully this will make you a little bit uncomfortable. So what is a, think about in your life, and you can write it down or speak it in your phone, who who is somebody in your life that you know you could actually have a mentoring relationship with? You could lead them, you could help them go further, someone at work, somebody that you maybe know from your neighborhood or your church, your kids' friends, or somebody that, and also think about like how you have passed up that opportunity. So in a sense, you've had this sense that I could have an impact on this person's life, yet you haven't listened to it. So I can think of that as like betraying yourself, this desire to act, but not actually acting. So that's the uncomfortable part right there. So I'm not trying to shame you, but I want you to think about how you can have an impact on the people around you consistently. So I want to welcome our guest to talk about this, who's extremely passionate about mentoring. And I I met David probably a month ago, two months ago, mm-hmm. I mean, not too long ago. So, And he has an organization that invests in young men. And so go ahead, David Riffle, 
Will you introduce yourself and kind of tell us about Mentoring Warriors and how you got involved in this? Sure. Happy to. Great to be here. So David Riffle, I am a executive director of a nonprofit called Mentoring Warriors. We started around four years ago, and it really came out of a passion that I've had for decades of this idea of investing in particularly young guys in kind of that, we'll call it the warrior stage of life, kind of ballpark, 18 to 30, that young adult are launching out and doing their adulting for the first time and maybe making mistakes and struggles and kind of doing it solo, kind of like what I did when I was, was that age. But rewind the tape just a little bit. About eight years ago, right after my daughter's wedding, I was kind of having a little bit of chest pains. And long story short, I ended up having quadruple heart bypass surgery. And I like to say, when you're a guy in your 50s, whether you love Jesus or not, mm -hmm. I like to say, it kind of pretty much rocks your world. And like, why am I here? What's my purpose? So fast forward to last um, eight years, I wrote a book called Mentoring Warriors by teaming with Wichita State University to answer the question, qualitatively speaking, what does it take to have a healthy mentoring relationship? particularly with those young adult guys. And then I wrote from a lessons learned perspective and a Christian perspective. So now we have a nonprofit. We're doing boot camps where we train and equip guys. We've had about 100 guys go through it already, mostly in the Wichita area. We've had some from Canada zoom in. And it's been really cool to see this start to reproduce itself in guys who start catching the vision. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do at Mentoring Warriors. Those are stuff we can talk about too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So tell me why, what was the, kind of getting personal here quickly, yeah. but like what was lacking for you growing up that has impacted the passion for mentoring today? So four years ago, I went to a Wild at Heart Men's Boot Camp out in Colorado and John Eldridge was sitting there on less session four about father wounds. And I'm like, there's 450 guys there. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm taking notes. And all of a sudden, bam, something hit me like, oh, maybe I've got some father wounds. Next thing I know, I'm bawling like a baby. I call them snot cries. And like God took me to the mat and like pulled off some, some scabs that have been there for a long time. So it really set me on kind of a search for, okay, what was my childhood really like? And I realized, and this is nothing against my, my dad. He passed away about 10 years ago, and I really do love my dad. But because of some things that happened in my dad's life, he projected at lack of investment in me and maybe the manner that I should have had it. And so there was a lot of catching up that I had to do. And essentially, that's why I would say my late teens and into my 20s, I was mentorless. I pretty mm. much had to figure life out on my own. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of it stems from. And a lot of the young guys that I mentor have some similar passivity from their dads or other just nobody really investing in their lives. And it seems like there's just a hunger hmm. for some of that with some of these guys. So what is your, Dave, your perspective on mentoring? What is needed to be a good mentor? What do people need, young men need in the, that process? And then what is your process like? Yeah. Basically is the question. Yeah, so. Sure. I talk about this in, our, in my book too, about this idea of developing a relational lifestyle aspect to mentoring as opposed to a program. A lot of people think mentoring warriors is a program and it's not. Mm. But I would say that underlying all of that, when you go back and look at all the research that Wichita State did as well, the bottom line is you have to be a safe person. You have to be trustworthy. 
They, they should be able to tell you absolutely anything and you will still love them unconditionally. Even though they did what we call stupid, they did some, some major mistake, something that just really tripped them up, that you're still going to be there and say, I'm going to walk with you through this and just kind of say, either I've been there too, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, let me put my arm around you and walk through it, or hey, this is all new to me too, so let's just see hmm. what I can do to, to be there yeah. for you. Yeah. So have you in the process heard anything that, like, what have been, what has been your biggest surprises? Because you, you mentioned, like, you would hear anything. Yeah. I'm not asking for, like, confidential information here or sure. anything like that. But right. just the biggest surprises about the impact on people or what you've heard, what you've learned. I, mm. I guess that's a very broad question. Yeah. But... I mean, there have been things where guys have gone to prison. And so, you know, through, for an example, Kansas Department of Corrections, yeah. I signed up for their Mentoring for Success program so I could basically go to Lansing and and be their sponsor and, and spend time in the prison with them and work on their release plan and their relapse plan and help them find a place to get out, go pick them up when they got released and, you know, kind of walk with them and hmm. get them kind of back on their own, not hmm. to enable them. That, that's, I think there's a, yeah. there's a line in there where... You want to be compassionate, but you don't want to enable them. What does that mean in a mentoring relationship to not enable them? So you, what's the line, basically? So I'll give you an example. So one guy, he, he wasn't really good with managing money. And so his car needed uh, a tow, so he wanted me to pay for it. And mm. I said, no, nah, tell you what, I won't pay for it, but let's figure out how you can get it started. He got it started. Of course, then he goes gets to the shop and it's like $1,600. He wanted me to front him the money. And I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Because I realized in his case, the more he pressed, the more he he was whining. And I realized mm -hmm. in that, that what he's really wanting is someone to bail him out. Mm -hmm. And we're not there to, we're not there to bail out. We're not there to, to rescue from that perspective or help them to walk through maybe something they've got to face. Maybe they keep hitting this wall in their life and they they try to find ways around it or someone to bail them out and they're never really maturing past that point. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have some wisdom. You want to be, hey, you, want, you know, love you, man, but this is not going to be the way I'm going to love you is by handing you a check for 1600 bucks. Right. right. You know. So what did you end up, how did that impact the relationship? So we talked about relate. We talked about what are some things he can do in this practical sense with his car. He ended up selling it, Right getting something a little better that he could, he could rely on. So that was one part of it too. So that was one, and you know, some rough spots, but he hung around. I'll tell you another one where I get a text one day and he goes, can you keep a secret? And I'm like, depends on what the secret is, you know? And he goes, I have a gun. Okay. And I'm like, okay. By this time I'm driving, I pull over like, dude, what's going on? He goes, I have a gun. It's a handgun. And he was pretty desperate. He had fallen into some really serious stuff. And I figured out he was like 40 miles away. And I said, stop. And long story short, he was like two miles away from where his destination was. So I was able to keep him on the phone and hand the phone to the person at the door and said, does this person have a case? Yes. It's a little briefcase. I said, well, it's a little briefcase because there's a gun in it. Uh -huh. And they were able to get the gun from him and we got him help. And then about an hour later, I get this scathing phone call from him. Very mm, yeah. mad at me. Yeah. 
right? Extremely mad. Yeah. And yet, why did you do this? I told you not to. And then the next thing out of his mouth was, I love you, Mr. Riffle. I love you, Mr. Riffle. Just kind yeah, of almost like back wow. and forth, back and forth. And it was a real big cry for help. And there's yeah. more to that story. And those are difficult times, you know, when yeah. you're thinking about a guy that's 19 years old that wants to take his life. Yeah. So and there's so many there's so many things with that. Yeah. And so how does your mentoring warriors program function? The boot camp part yeah. of it. Yeah. So what we do, and actually we have one right now. We're on uh, week three. It's really cool. We got about ten guys. Interestingly, in this group, the oldest is seventy one and the youngest is eighteen, and most of them are in their twenties, and they are just hungry, hungry to learn how to mentor or what to look for in a mentor. So we have a field manual that goes with our book, my book. And then what we do is each week we read a couple chapters. Then we watch some short videos that were put out by uh, John Eldridge's son, Sam Eldridge. Okay. Called Killing Lions. And they just, they're like 17 five-minute little videos that show what are some of the big issues that young guys face. And we have discussions about some of those. We also set up wingmen. So every guy has a wingman for the next eight weeks. And part of that is to learn what it means to start relating and applying some of these principles we teach on relationships in a face-to-face situation. Mm-hmm. And the idea is by the end of the eight weeks, they have a better handle on either what to do to approach somebody to mentor them, or if they're in a position to start mentoring, how can they do that to start investing in somebody else? Mm. And a lot of times I'll say, you know, these guys in their 20s, they're thinking, well, I need to be mentored. And I'm like, yeah, you may need to be mentored. So do I at my age. But the reality is there's a lot of those young guys that are actually mentoring younger guys. Mm-hmm. Like I know one guy, for an example, I invested in a young man, Thomas, back when he was in high school. Thomas figured it out. And so then he started investing in Morgan. Well, Morgan's now 19. And guess what he's doing? He's investing in the six, I call them the squirrely sixth grade boys hmm. at his church, right? Oh, yeah. With the commitment to be with them all the way through grade 12. So that's, oh, wow. So he made that on his own. Yeah. Like he's and like, so I'm going to be. I invested in Tom, Thomas. Thomas yeah. invested in Morgan. Morgan's invested in these young guys. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know? So that's a shock. I was kind of a shock to you. Yeah. That he, like, like he, made, he did it. this on his own. And a light bulb. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's what's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times when these older guys, come to a boot camp, I get this deer in the headlights look. Like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. What I've usually figured out is about 90% of us old guys were never mentored. The old guys, you mean like people over 40? Yeah. Kind of thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. We've never been mentored, you know? And so like, they they have that own ache in their heart. They know they need something. They know they need to do this. But it's like, it's they're just shaking in their boots. When they start boot camp, and usually by the end, they're like, all right, I think we, with the Lord's help, I think we can get this done. Yeah. You know? And so, well, then if people, what what is that all about? Like people haven't been mentored and they haven't had, so they haven't had a positive male role model in their life before that has helped walk with them. Yeah. That's most people. That's mostly. Like, and as I, I go back, I keep borrowing John Eldridge for a couple of things, but out of his Walter Hart book, he talks about this, but... I always say there's two questions that every guy is asking from the time he's a toddler till the day he dies. You're asking it. I am. Everybody is. And that's, does anybody delight in me? And the other one is, do I have what it takes to be a man? So delight and validation. And then the delight one, I break it down into 
three kind of sub-questions. Am I seen? Does anybody really see me? Does anybody really hear me? Do they understand me? And does anybody really love me? And a lot of times what happens is we're seeing, oh yeah, there's Dave. Oh yeah, there's Adam. But we're really, nobody really takes the time to understand us. And that's what a lot of these young guys are yeah. really looking for. They really are. And on the validation part, it's do I have what it takes to do the next step? And young guys in life and that, that adulting, yeah, buy a car, ask yeah. that girl out, whatever yeah. it is, you know, yeah. that first job. How do I deal with my boss? How do I leave mom and dad in a healthy way? Just everything. Because as I thought about just talking to you today, the impact of mentoring, because it impacts the person that's mentoring, mm -hmm. it impacts. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of leadership stuff. And I thought just because I'm really passionate about people overcoming fears, mm -hmm. not that I've figured all that out. I remember that when I did, I did the mentoring. I met him through a Big Brothers, Big Sisters type mm -hmm. program, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I was really young. I mean, I was probably, well, I was 24. I mean, the yeah. guy, the, he, Robbie has the same exact birthday as me. So I know yeah. exactly yeah. it's October 27th. You know, yeah. it's just crazy. But, but I remember being, even though, I mean, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. It was, but I was also felt like after I started to build a relationship, I feel like I can, it was, it was like, I, I remember thinking I can have an impact on somebody's life. It yeah. was kind of like, wow. Yeah. I mean, but still felt like a total imposter. Yeah. Really. You know, cause I was, I was not, I, I had really made a lot of good changes at 24, mm -hmm. but when I was 22, I really wasn't. I mean, I was, I was kind of living a party yeah. crazy life, yeah. you know, like not. Yeah. And so there was that. So can you talk to me about the fear that people being mentored have and the fear that people volunteering have and how all of that plays into yeah, sure. things here? A lot of times on the mentor side, it's like, well, I don't have my act together. So the person that's mentoring, yeah. you're saying, yeah, right. I don't have my act together. So how can I mentor? I think all these failures I've done, I've. I haven't had right. the best of a no, marriage. Right, right, yeah. Her. No. And I'm like, and like, they keep rattling off this whole list to me. I gotta I'm be like, perfect. I'm not good enough to like, do this. And so. <laughs> well, well, what's the minimum? I yeah. mean, like, you know. You know, and I, I always say, you know, here's the deal. But in that struggle with your marriage and that struggle with your finances and that struggle in figuring out a career and whatever those issues are, we even raising your own kids or whatever it is. Have you in some way or another given that to God where you kind of give him some he gives you some diet and they're like, well, yeah, I've done it. seems like I've done it over and over. And I says, you're qualified mm -hmm. because the issue is not perfection. The issue is how do we come alongside the next generation and how do we invest in them? I always think about this idea that the things that we experience today has an immediate kind of a future midterm and a future long-term effect. It's almost like throwing a rock into the water and has these ripple effects, you know, that I'm experiencing sure. right now a failure in my life because of whatever my wife and I had an argument or whatever the issue is. But if I'm in that process of saying, God, you got to help me square up here on some things, that experience can then maybe down the road be brought into a conversation with a young man who's struggling with his girlfriend or, or whatever yeah. it is. And so that's the that's the awesome thing is that this will pay off dividends down the road, probably to people I'll never even meet. Because that keeps you motivated. Yeah. That's what keeps me motivated. You see it. Yeah. You see like the, you got a vision for it. Yeah. Keeps you going. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of. 
There, there's a verse in the first uh, Timothy talks about Paul has been, he's at the end of his life. He's been pouring his life into Timothy. And he goes, Tim, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who are going to be able to teach others. So Paul to Timothy. Yeah, yeah. So four, and I could yeah. tell a story about a guy from 160 years ago that poured into somebody that's had an effect on me, you know? You so, know, that is so interesting because I... I've met a guy at my, I live in an apartment complex mm -hmm. and I met a guy there who he, he's like 30, you know, mm -hmm. he's not like, I mean, I'm 50, I'm like 20 years older mm -hmm. than him. And we've started a relationship and he asked me the craziest questions sometimes. Like he asked me a question just about, cause he knows I've, about marriage, he's never mm -hmm. been married. And he's just asking me like, what do you think about like leadership in the mm -hmm. home and things like that? And like, what right. do you think about, but then the crazy thing, like I was last night, I was actually talking to the guy mm -hmm. and, and then he was asking what I was doing with my job and everything. And he gave me some really great feedback, like mm -hmm. personally about right. content and stuff. So right. I was like, you know, but I didn't even, until we had this conversation, I've never really thought of that as a mentoring relationship. Yeah. Cause I, I've always thought of it just like, okay, we have a friendship, right. whatever, but it really probably yeah. is a mentoring relationship. Yeah. I, yeah. And here's something you touched on too. Mentoring is never a one-way street. I mean, these guys, the young guys that I mentor, they 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 teach me so much from how to shoot a gun and pick it out yeah. to whatever. It yeah, is, right. You know, and I learn so much from them. That's part of what I think a good mentor is. He's teachable. It's not like, hey, I a good mentor is. I got the cape on. Well. I know right. everything. It's all figured out. No, I don't. Like you said earlier, you're on a journey. God is about the business of fathering you, whatever age you're at. And to be teachable, no matter where you're at, to say, God, I don't have it all figured out, but you do and help me, help me so that maybe in turn, what you're teaching me can help somebody else. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, it is amazing how that works. I think, so the fear, what kind of fear do you sense in the people being mentored in the connection process? And then what do you recommend people do with that fear yeah. to work on it? I would say a lot of times the thing that I see is a fear of vulnerability. Okay. What if David really knows everything about me? Is he going to at some point put his hand up and say, all right. Because you're done. saying you're, you're going to accept them, but really, will you? Yeah, that's the issue. Because, I mean, if they, if they, they have to test it, right, yeah. to see if you're really going to yeah. be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be however, I don't even know what the word I'm trying to say here, but, you know, I met a, a guy the other day who's going to join the boot camp, and not even 30 minutes into our conversation, and he tells me about when he was sexually abused as a kid. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, I'm glad you're telling me that. I mean, I'm sorry it happened, but I'm thinking, why after 30 minutes of knowing me that he would be willing to dive that deep and start telling me things, you know? and it tells me part of it is it's so pressing on them. They, they just can't, they've got to do yeah. something with it, yeah. you know? And, you know, I'm no counselor. I'm, I'm just a guy, but I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to hopefully share some compassion and yeah, some good boundaries that need to happen. But yeah. I would say that fear of vulnerability. I like what one guy said in one of our boot camps. He goes, vulnerability is the most scariest thing that a man can do, but it is the most courageous thing that a man can do. So we, we've kind of dubbed it courageous vulnerability. 
That's where we're, that's where we're headed. Yeah. So how did the guy shares that he had been abused as a kid? Right. And then what was your response to that? Just to give the audience an idea of what would yeah. a good response be to so that? Like I expressed empathy. Okay. I said, you know, I am so sorry that happened. And then I shared with them some things, just some verses in the Bible that really have helped me a lot. Psalm 139, how God goes behind us. He is the one that can take the wounds and the pains and the things that we just, oh man, I wish those things were not in my script of life, but they are. And he can do something awesome out of them. And he can use those to shape your manhood in ways that could never have been shaped before. Hmm. So I try to give him some hope. That's what I'm purely trying to do. Even through my own father wounds, you know, how God can take those things and mm -hmm. make me more into a man that I probably never was. And what do you mean by father wounds? Because I think people might need some understanding of that. Yeah. What's a father wound? Because there's, I mean, what, what's what's a fatherless percentage in the United States? I mean, it's like it's like the highest in the world. Yeah, Last I time don't I even thought know what it, was, it is. It's like way, the kids that grew up without a father in the oh, US yeah, is, is, is incredibly It's increasing. High. Yeah. yeah. It's increasing, and even, I would say, even in the church, the issue is maybe dad's there, but he's passive. He's not engaged. And I think just through not engaging, like I was saying, not seeing, not understanding the heart of your son and showing him that love, I think that creates kind of a distance there. It's like, well, I guess I'm on my own as a kid. Got to figure this out I on my own. got to do it all, yeah. You know? And I think some of it is, you know, dad saying, well, nobody mentored me. I can share a story about how that changed, pivoted in me when my son turned 10, you know, and it made a major difference hmm. in the relationship we now have, hmm. you know. So, yeah, tell me about it. So first, my son, Justin, he's he was 10. And I'm like, man, those first 10 years went by so fast. I'm like, the next 10 years are going to go by exponentially fast. You know what I'm saying? He could be 10 more years, he could be 20, he could be married, you right. know? And so like, yeah. I got to I gotta change this and I am not going to raise him the way I was raised, passively. So and I spent 400 bucks, bought a bunch of camping gear, went down to the Coleman factory outlet store. And we first camp we camped was in the backyard, you know, with a rainstorm, kind of fun. And then we moved on to camping and doing other things. And then what I did was every two years... So don't make this sound like these were the only times I did it, but I, I did milestones at 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, and right before he got married at 21. Okay. I did these manhood journeys with him. And what's really cool is a lot more outdoor related, like outdoor backpacking adventures, one up in Canada with his best buddy on a four-day, 110-kilometer canoe trip, you know, when he's 14. And I've got some notes that I keep in my closet on my little shelf of when he wrote me a note when I was he was 14, one that he wrote me when he was about um, 18, and then one he wrote me right before he got, or no, excuse me, when he was 21, and then the other one just the other day at Christmas, when he's, now he's 27, 28, and he wrote me. Mm -hmm. And the value of what he says in there about our relationship is so much different than what it would have been when I was 28 with the relationship with my dad. Mm. You know, the healthiness of it. Those what is what are things he references as being healthy? Well, in you know, relationship? like at fourteen, he's like, my dad's cool, hip. He he pushes us out the door when we're late. He's got funny things to say and facts and all this kind of stuff. And 
you know, and he's shown me a lot about integrity and those kind of things. So even at 14, he was saying things. And then the most recent one, he wrote me at Christmas time. He said, Dad, you know, I see the things that you're doing with Mentoring Warriors and the way you're investing in other young guys. And it's such an encouragement. I just want you to know that I'm, I'm proud of you. Wow, that's cool. As your son. Yeah. And he said, thank you for teaching me. He's about ready to be a dad. They're going to oh, have a baby cool. next month. Yeah. And he goes, Dad, thanks for showing me what it means to be an emotionally sensitive father. Hmm. And he said, you're going to make a great grandpa someday too. Oh, wow. That's now, cool. Is yeah. that not payoff? Yeah, that you is know? payoff. So go buy $400 worth of camping gear or whatever it is and do and something the, that he it, likes to do. He said you had the heart attack eight eight years ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big deal. Big deal. Big, big change deal. right there. Yeah. yeah. How how about girls here? Like, because I mean, I have a daughter who's 17 and I think that it's hard to be a dad sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. I'll... I mean, I'm not perfect at it or anything, but I can, that's all I have, you know, yeah. I mean, as far as kids. Yeah. You know, so we've done, our our trips have been a lot of trips and yeah. cool things and experiences and everything. Yeah. So I, I mean, I hear a lot of the same stuff, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so, but me being, being because I, I don't know, I look at my situation, I feel like I've been mentored by, professionally by some people, mm -hmm. for sure. I've also been, had people at times that have, have had short stints, you know, and my mm -hmm. dad's alive and is a good, good guy and everything, you know, mm -hmm. worked a lot, but I have had some, but, you know, I've also felt like there's been some things missing for me and had to get mm -hmm. it, but you get it from all kinds of different people. Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. I don't know, can you speak to like the, the, the whole thing about where, where do, where do, where do raising little girls fit in this mm -hmm. picture <laughs> or just, I don't, you know, I mean, we're yeah. not women, obviously. So, I mean, yeah. it's, we can't speak to. Yeah. Yeah. We have, a, we have a daughter, Carissa. She's in her early thirties now. And I would say the thing for there is she is looking to the dad, her dad, to me, in a lot of ways to model, I'm modeling what kind of husband she needs to be looking for. Okay. You know, yeah. she wants to know that, that she is the and as a girl, she's a little girl, she's the princess, that you adore her. And that she has just those same, almost same questions, she, that delight, you see her heart, you understand her. You know, my daughter likes to write, you know, and, and so we, we share an affinity in that because mm -hmm. of writing and things like that. And, and just, just adoring her right now. She's, she's, they've got a, She's married and they have a little girl who's just a little over a year old, our first grandkid. And I've just told her, I said, you're making a, you're a great mom. You know, you're doing things. She needs to hear those words of affirmation, you know, learn what their love language is, spend time with them, mm -hmm. take them on daddy daughter dates, you know, even at 17, you know, even at 31, she's going to want to have, she's a busy girl, busy mom, but mm -hmm. uh, she wants that investment, mm -hmm. you know, and eventually our granddaughter is going to be looking for a guy down the road. Right. And a lot of it is how healthy is that father-daughter relationship? Yeah, that's a big deal. And I know I've made, you know, you just don't know totally how to do it. You yeah. learn as you go. Oh, yeah. It's just kind Absolutely. of a, one of those things. But, you know, it's hard to yeah. not second-guess yourself at yeah. times. Like, Yeah. And so. I think the big thing, too, is kids know you're going to mess up. And just be honest with them. Just say, hey, dad didn't do it great. Would you forgive me? And 
a lot of times they're apt, they're quick, they're quick to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, question two is how is your professional, what's your professional background and how has that impacted or how does it play into the mentoring process or could it play into the mentoring process? Yeah. So I'm an architect and obviously there's some career mentoring that needs to go on. One of the ways our, our business is structured is we want to invest in those young upcoming architects, those graduates, because down the road, we want to see the ones that rise and would learn to take ownership in the company because we have a succession plan just even on a financial business side to buy me out, you know? Okay. So I want them to be successful. So there are times we're working on a project. Uh, I'm overseeing it, but I've got a, uh, an intern architect and you know what? He comes up with a better design idea than me. So instead of me getting my ego all been out of shape, I'm like, you know what? If the client likes your idea far better than mine, more power to you. Because that means you will take more ownership of that design. Mm -hmm. And eventually, it's going to make you more successful. And when you're more successful, it makes the company more successful. Mm. So that's kind of my attitude in, in, the, in the office. We've actually mm. done some things with the local school district here, with several different high schools, too, where we do career days, where we try to do some mentoring and try okay. to get young, young high school students introduced into architecture. Into architecture. Yeah. Do you have anything formal at your, for your business with the new architects? Well, we, we try to get them all set up. And then there's a, an AIA, American Institute of Architects, internship program. We have to formalize it. Yeah. A supervisor kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so they can earn their credits and be okay. able to take the exam and all that kind of stuff too. But bottom line, a lot of the principles I use in Mentoring Warriors applies. To your job. Job. As, oh, yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so what are the... Thing. What are the so you mentioned social skills at the beginning here? It's like the kids or that the young men are learning or they're struggling with yeah. social skills. What are the social skills that they lack yeah. or that you see them lacking? Because yeah. I would imagine that'd be professionally as well. Right. So there's four levels we talk about in, in relationships. The first one, I've labeled it superficial. And if I had to rewrite the book, I call it discovery phase, but it's more weather talk. Oh, you like the Chiefs too. You know, hey, did you hear they just okay. won the Super Bowl? Right. You know, like yeah. commonalities. And so many guys just hang there. Well, at some point, you've got to kind of break that glass floor or that glass ceiling, we'll call it, and get a little more authentic. Hey, you know what? I've just had a rough day. Maybe you as the mentor say, you know, I've, had, I've just had a rough day or I've had a rough week. Just kind of, you know, kind of break some glass or ceiling, break some glass in there so they like, yeah, you too, me too, you know, kind of thing. And then after authenticity, we talk about being more transparent and then after that, we talk about that vulnerability. Okay. And the idea is you may have a thousand guys up at the superficial, but by the time you get uh, down to vulnerability, you may only have a few. It's a funnel, huh? It's a funnel. Yeah. And most men, as, as Dan Allender says, most men live an unexamined life. They have never dealt with some of those things down here that need to be dealt with. Yeah. And Dan Allender, is a, for those of you who don't know, he's a big oh i don't know he's probably written the best books i've ever read on childhood sexual trauma mm -hmm. out of anybody that you know very yeah. impactful yeah he's a good guy uh, good perspective unique perspective on that so man there are a lot of different questions here i got i gotta ask you one though is so if, if somebody who is thinking about mentoring professionally or personally and they're doubting themselves and they're doubting what they have to offer what is one thing that you'd want them to remember the most about the process take it one step at a time and know that you can do it 
but you need to have somebody that you're kind of connected with in the process. That's helping you yeah. do it so they know. I, I, I'm not an advocate of Lone Ranger mentors. No. Okay. Get networked in. How would they find somebody that would help them? Well, obviously through Mentoring Warriors, we can get you connected yeah. through some people, particularly if you're in this region. If you're in you know, another state, we can still get you connected up. But you need to have somebody that you can kind of have hold you accountable to. And I say that in a good way, accountability, because you're going to run into issues like this is above my pay grade. I don't know how to mentor this young guy, this young person through this. What do I do? So you got to have kind of some resource people that you can go to. And there um, are organizations out there that will help you to do yeah. that. So you can go do it yeah. through an organization yeah. that does yeah. provide a great deal of accountability right. yeah. and is resources right. in the process. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I think that'd be well, helpful. And, and so where do you want to see, where do you see it in the next five years? Mentoring Warriors. Well, I'm at a stage of my career where I'm going to be probably retiring or as they call it graduating from my career. And so my hope is to start doing more of this full time. And the cool thing is my wife, she is just awesome with mentoring young women. And so it really has given both of us a shared passion. Mm. And so one of the things we'd like to do under the umbrella of mentoring war is to start bringing in a, a side for the women's oh, cool. kind yeah. of type of ministry. I don't know what we're going to call it yet, warriorettes, or I don't yeah, know what we're going to sure. do yet. But that's one of the things we're going to do. That's That excites me. And there's a whole bunch of other, you know, stuff that we want to do to start training other guys to do boot camps in their cities. Because this need for mentoring is not just common to here. It's it's pervasive. Yeah. It's everywhere. So and more is is there a, is there more of a need for men than women, you think? I think probably percentage-wise women have more apt because of their relational aspects to have that. But I think uh, with men there's a great deficit. Okay. Yeah. And in typical metro areas, about 7.5% of the population are young guys between 18 and 30, and only about 2 to 4% really have a mentor. So there's a, there's a great need. Now, some of those guys could care less about having a mentor. Yeah. But uh, those that do, they just latch on to it. So how could somebody get in touch with you who is interested? So the best thing to do is they can go to our website, uh, mentoring-warriors.com, okay. get the contact sheet and just cool. fill something out and get a hold of us right there for david riffle and yeah. what's the name of your book can uh, you same tell book, us mentoring warriors mentoring warriors okay yeah. how would they buy that or get access they can get it on the on the website or they can go through amazon go through amazon okay cool mm-hmm. Man, well I've, I've i'm not done with you yet i got one thing that's my favorite part of the having yeah. a guest on all right i want to put you on the hot seat okay all right this will be fun you, all right but i wanted to mention one thing too is that chat if you have found this podcast helpful you know you know how to reach David, and I highly encourage you to do that. Also encourage you to, if you're interested, to check out Shatterproof Yourself Light. And this has seven steps to improve your mental health. There are small things you can do that as a company, a company team, it's a 20-minute video and a worksheet to go through. And these are things that I've just gleaned that have helped me. And I think you'll find it extremely helpful. So I don't want to miss that. And that's the only way to get access to it is through Decide Your Legacy uh, website and being on my subscriber list. So really encourage you to do that. And so here's the, here's the thing. I I love when people face their fears and figure out what their fears are. So I, I love when people see breakthroughs and clarity. And so a lot of people listening to this podcast, I mean, you never know what their clarity is mm-hmm. going to be. I mean, it's like, wow, I can mentor. Like that mm-hmm. can be like you, you because I love, I love hearing that stuff. Like yes. I listen to your podcast, right? I feel like I can do this now, mm-hmm. you know, or like I feel for some reason mm-hmm. that was it. I know I've wanted to invest in people's lives more at work, but now I know that I really need someone else who's 
walking with me through the process, like right. somebody helping me. So I'm not right. just totally alone or whatever. Right. So if you were going to make one big change in your life, personally and professionally over the next six months, what might that change be? Mm. What is something you want to work on? You want to make a change with? That's a good question. What change would I like to make? Um, you got, you threw me on this one. Okay. So I think of a couple things. One would be on the uh, more emotional side, expressing more joy. Expressing more joy to more joy other just in people life. in yeah. life. Okay. So yeah. probably increasing my gratitude quotient, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What? Okay. So that would be one. Okay. So I think that'd be one, one thing I would like to see change, but with, and that can affect work and sure. everything. That sure. Do. Sure. So anything yeah. else you thought of too? Um, that can be it. I just you seem like you had something else on your mind as well. No, I think that's probably that's the it. Big okay, one. so gratitude quotient, yeah. expressing more joy. So what yeah. makes that a significant thing for you to work on? Because I think sometimes I've always kind of been, and this is probably go back to one of those father wounds. Okay. The glass is always half empty as opposed to the glass is half full. Okay. You know? And so realizing that when I face a wall or I face a situation, I know God's there to help me, right? I know he's put people around me, but to be more grateful for that situation and that challenge that I'm in, as opposed to like, oh man, here we go again. Yeah. So a little more, okay, God, thank you that I get to face this. As difficult as this may become, but You're thank grateful. you. Be grateful for it. For it. Yeah. Okay. So then... How would you know if you made a big change? Well, actually, before that, when, so how would you like it to be in six months? Ideally, like realistically, but like if if you had you had you know the gratitude quotient was increasing significantly, you know, a realistic change. What would that look like? How would you know? I think more willingness to enjoy myself in certain social situations, not feel like I can't just okay be out there. That'd be one. The other one kind of related to my health and my heart would be increasing health, uh, better health. You would have better health yeah, if you I had would. more gratitude. Oh, yeah. Because it improves your health. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what are the social situations that you would be able to just kind of let loose in? So, you know, I'm an introvert. <laughs> so when you're in a big crowd, like, I don't know anybody here. Uh -huh. What am I going to do? <laughs> one thing I have learned, if you just kind of walk up to somebody and maybe, you know, introduce yourself, say... Tell me your story. And oh, that usually yeah. opens people up. And the next thing you know, you go through that whole layers of social, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the superficial down. That's cool. And yeah. it's very interesting how that's helped me. But be yeah. better at that. Tell me your story. You it's one of your, your go-to questions yeah. for a stranger. Yep. Tell Do you have story. people just shut down with that too, though? Like Too often. Not too people often. People are that's eager pretty to cool. tell their story. Yeah. Okay. So, so the next question is, is like, how, what have you done in the past that has helped you with that? That maybe you don't do now. What I've done in the past. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how to answer that one. What about I I can tell you things I've done in the past where shortly after my heart surgery, large groups like that would would just I'd be suffocated. I just have to leave. Mm. Even if for a few minutes to get out there, just kind of all right. And I go back in again. And I'm less that way now. Okay. I'm less that way. So then, so what you've done in the past is you've just gone and done it basically. Yeah. And you just decided to not listen to that emotional yeah. voice, whatever yeah. that thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is And so what ideas do you have that you think, ah, oh, I could try that or that might help or whatever. Someone else has done that or you read it somewhere. I don't know. I mean, you know, who knows? But yeah. What ideas do you have? 
Well, like I said, that first one, just just go ahead and walk up to somebody because, you know, most often in those social situa situations, they're either not wanting to be there either or they are as just nervous, you know, and they're uh, just waiting for somebody to come and talk to them. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, maybe there's some divine providence here. I'll go talk to that person and see what happens. Okay. You know? Hey, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So if you had a really good friend ask you for advice saying, you know, I want to increase my gratitude quotient. And what would be like your one or two best pieces of advice for them? Well, one of them, I was talking to a guy the other day because we were talking about this issue about he has a really hard time extending grace to himself. And he was going on a ski trip to go, he was going to go snowboarding. Uh -huh. I said, I guarantee you, you're probably going to fall more than you want, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I said, I want you to come back and text me three different ways that you've shown grace to yourself. Oh, wow. So just cool. try yeah. that. Just be aware of it. Just be more aware of that, you know? Cool. What's another piece of advice? Mm. So that one and, and what else have I done? Kind of encourage people. Sometimes what I'll do is I may text them maybe a verse out of the Bible and just say, hey, think about this. And maybe tell me how you think this might impact your situation. Okay. You know, just some, just something to get them kind of off dead center. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Just to pivot a little bit and to think about maybe something from a different perspective. And I need guys speaking to me in that way too, you know, to challenge me. Hey, Dave, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Mm, okay. That's what you a mentor know? does too. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Get them off. Because one of my, right. one of my defaults is... I call myself consistent. My wife says I'm boring sometimes because I do. Or I'm a very, very methodical. And sometimes okay. I need to break out of that. And all, okay. So you got to stop being an architect? Yeah. In your personal life? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. All right. There's a place for it. There's a yep. place not for it. Right. Got it. Yep. That's, that's uh, there's a lot of stereotypes with like engineers, architect, yep. accountants, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. That yep. kind of thing. But we don't, we have stereotypes because they have some kind of truth to them. Right. right? But we just can't go to the extreme. Right. Right. So it's like, yep. you know, I mean... So last question then, what is it that you want to apply? Did you hear yourself say or anything? And any, what's one piece of inspiration from this little brief conversation that you mm -hmm. might want to apply based on adding gratitude to your life? I would say that probably that, that piece of gratitude would be more willing to not only just internalize and say it to myself, but to express that to particularly the person that may be involved. Immediately involved. Yeah. And you know, is there a goal you could set for that? There probably would be like for an example at work that maybe at least once a day, if I notice something with an employee of mine, that's really like, hey, uh, did yeah. a great job. You like tell them that. Just tell them. So how often a week do you do that now? Well, I think I do it now, but maybe not every day. All right. So more sure. discipline yeah. to actually know. Yeah, I, hey, I appreciate that. And like that's, yeah. yeah. Very yep. cool. So, okay. Well, hey, let's go ahead and wrap things up here. I really appreciate all the stuff on mentoring here and relationally. It has a big impact when we realize that it's not about us. And that's the one thing I think about. It's like, you know, this, at times where I make it about me, I get pretty, pretty miserable, mm -hmm. you know, not, yeah. not, and at times where I see that there's a bigger picture, doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to just takes the pressure off and you realize how you can have an impact. So I want to go ahead and just challenge you. What are, as I asked David earlier, so what is your one takeaway from today and that you want to apply? And to remind you that if you're going to make changes in your life, 80% is taking some kind of action, mm -hmm. doing something different. So you look and you say, 
you know, David told me he wants to encourage people more at his office. And maybe that even translates into encouraging people just more in his life. If he sets a very specific goal of one time a day, that's going to have that's, but then he has to apply it. I don't know if he'll apply it or not. I mean, I'll, I should probably call him in a week and see if he's applied it, you know, or maybe you could just uh, send me or Adam an email saying, right. here's what I'm doing. There's some level of accountability right. with that. And then you can even see how it starts changing your life. So one little change and one little incremental change can make a big difference. That may not be a big thing. Maybe he's already doing it five times a week and he's going to do it seven times a week. Mm -hmm. 1% improvement a day is a significant mm -hmm. improvement over a year. So what thing do you want to apply? Maybe it's you want to start getting involved in mentoring warriors. You want to read the book. You want to read a book. I don't care. Whatever it is, but take some kind of an action. And it's going to be an emotional risk. So mm -hmm. a plan that we engage in consistently is 100 times better than the perfect plan that we never actually apply or take action on. We want to engage in something. So what resonated with you today and, you know, do me a favor, give me a rating and review on Apple or Spotify, or if you your podcast content, the Decide Your Legacy podcast, it helps it grow and to reach more people organically. And so if you don't know what that means, it just starts popping up in people's feeds, the more people that are actually liking it and giving it some feedback. And so that people can find it randomly. Maybe it's a local regional thing and they discover a podcast. But the goal for me is to help people face their fears and to get it out there so people can see that they can have an impact on other people's lives. You know, from this podcast, you can face your fears and do some cool things with your life. So I'm going to sign off the way that I always do. So make it your mission to live the life now that you want to be remembered for 10 years after you're gone. So you decide your legacy, no one else. I appreciate you greatly. Appreciate David for being here, Mentoring Warriors, and I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.